All right, this is everybody's favorite topic, right? Finance. So, my name is Jeff. I've been coming to Athey since 2001. I was single at that time. Fast forward 16 years, I now have 6.7 kids, okay, married. Um, it's, I'm really excited to share this with you guys today. Um, finance, is a, finance is what Instagram is to women, to men, okay? I don't know what it is by being a guy, but we, we look at other guys, we puff out our chest a little bit, and we say, I can take that guy. I got that guy. Now, we started this when we were like two. And do you know how I know this? It's because I'm watching this with my five little boys. And my, my youngest, who's 19 months old, looks at his older brother and says, yeah, I can get him. <laughs> right? So now as we grow, it changes, right? You know, we start getting into high school and we start talking about, hey, how many plates can you bench? I can bench 15 plates. Now, they're only five-pound plates, but I can get 15 in there, okay? And then as we continue to grow, what spawns is we start looking at other things. And we say, hey, that guy's got a nice truck. I should go get a truck. Just a little nicer, okay? They look at their 401ks and they say, hey, I need mine to be a little bit bigger, okay? So as, as men, this is a trap that we fall into pretty frequently and pretty easy, okay? So uh, today I want to cover four areas, okay? Just for you guys that are taking notes out there. Number one, what does the Bible say about finance, money, and work, okay? We're going to cover a bunch of verses on that. Also, I want to talk about what the Bible does not say about finance, money, and work, okay? There's a lot of things out there that can be misguided. And then why should we even care as men? Why do we want to look at that? And then I'll give you some practical reasons that you can take home today and apply them, okay, to your family, to your marriage, uh, and to life. So, uh, turn to Proverbs 21:31. That's going to be the framework for our study. This is the verse I want you to keep in the back of your mind as we're, as we're discussing this today. Um, so this is one of my all-time favorite verses. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance comes from the Lord. The reason I love this verse so much is it talks about, I need to be ready, but the Lord is the one that provides the win or the success. And it's on his timetable and in the light of what he sees as success. But he wants me to be ready. Okay, we're going to touch a little bit more on this down the road. So a quick story about my son, Luke. Uh, he's nine years old. He's an amazing kid. Uh, I apologize if he runs too fast through here too often. Um, but uh, about six months ago, I told him, I need you to get a backpack. And I need you to be ready. Ready for what, Dad? I said, just be ready. You need a compass in there. You need a pocket knife. Now, the pocket knife was the easiest thing for him because if, if you get to know my son a little bit, there's one thing that he loves. Now, he may have 27 pocket knives, you know, give or take a few. Um, that was the easy part. Have a jacket. Have 
one of those uh, safety whistles and some matches. And I told him, I want you to put this under your bed and be ready. Every night he'd come to me and say, what are we getting ready for, Dad? Just be ready. Just be ready. So one morning, at four in the morning, I woke him up. I said, let's go. It's time to go. And he's all groggy. And all of a sudden he realized, this is what Dad has been preparing me for. So we grabbed his bag and we headed out. I didn't tell him where we were going. I just said, you got your backpack? Make sure you have a jacket in there because it could rain. And so we took off heading towards the coast. We were going to go hike Saddle Mountain. Okay. I looked at the weather. It's going to be a perfect, perfect day. Well, that was wrong. But as we get up to Saddle Mountain, as you drive up that road, it just starts pouring and pouring and pouring. And I look at Luke and I say, you know, I think it's a good idea to go out there now. He says, nah, probably not. So we go, we drive to the coast, we get some coffee, we get some hot chocolate, and, and we start chatting. I said, you know, we were ready, but then something changed, and the Lord put us here for a reason. So when we're talking about finances, I want you guys to think of how am I preparing because I want to be ready for when the Lord calls me to do something, okay? So let's, let's jump into what the Bible says about money. Uh, I'm going to try to stay with a lot of Bible verses, because the less you hear about my thoughts, the better you guys will be, okay? We're going to do a lot of turning, so let's flip over to Matthew 6, 19 and 20. And we're going to read through um, seven verses really quick, and then we're going to go back and unpack those, okay? So 6, 19 and 20, it starts out, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's our first verse on money. Okay? It doesn't necessarily paint money in a positive light. So let's, let's try another verse. Let's, let's roll forward a little bit to 624. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man, or money. Another verse that doesn't put money in a very good light, right? Eventually we'll get to a positive one, I think. Turn to 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money, this is a verse you guys have heard many, many, many times, probably misquoted though. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We still haven't got to a positive verse yet. Okay. Let's go back a little bit. 1 Timothy 5.8. And this one should speak to all of us. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. These are some pretty strong, harsh words as we open up today. Okay? 
Now, if, if we're talking money, there's, there's a, a book in the Bible that you should spend a lot of time in. Anybody have any guesses what book that is? What was that? Yes, yes. Okay, let's head back to Proverbs 21.20. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Okay, now we've got to a little bit of a positive side. There's desirable, desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Okay, underline wise in there. Okay, now let's go back to Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. We'll work on getting your guys' Bibles all worn out. Isn't it such a true statement? The Bible that's falling apart probably means the person's not falling apart. So 10, 4, and 5. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who, steps, who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Okay? This is speaking to our work, how hard we work. Okay? And it says if we're diligent, that work can lead to riches. Now, be careful when we look at riches. It may not necessarily mean bank account, right? So last, last verse we're going to look at, swing over to a few pages to the right, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So this starts our discussion on the Bible. We've got three, four verses that say, be very wary of money. And then three verses that say, this is how you should handle it and work towards it. Okay? Doesn't it feel a little bit confusing when you, when you read these things? Parts of your heart says, okay, I'm never going to look at my bank account. I'm not going to save. Right? But I don't think that's what the Lord has for us in dealing with money, okay? We live in a culture that it's hard not to be inundated with money, right? I mean, how much does it cup take to get a cup of coffee these days, right? How much does it take to live in this area, the cars we drive, right? So there's, there's always a concern with money, and it's very easy that it now can become your focus, right? I love the song we sang in that last one. It's, give us clean hands, give us pure heart. Let us be a generation that seeks your face, right? It doesn't mean we avoid money, but it does say, hey, where are we going to put our focus? Okay? So we're going to unpack these verses. You can take some, some notes on this. Is when we're talking about storing up treasures, okay, what, are, what is the Bible talking about in that area? Okay? It's saying, lay things forward in, in, in heaven and not here, right? Um, one of the, um, you know, uh, so a little more background on what I do and, and why I'm up here speaking, and I, by day, I, I help people with finances, okay? Now, when I started this career, I had the taglines. I felt like it was those old army posters, travel the world, see the world, and you have a good income, can set your schedule, you can own your own business. These are all very good things, powerful things. 
But what they forgot to mention was, I'm going to give you a front row seat to a lot of financial train wrecks and a lot of hard things, right? I've watched finance become somebody's focus and destroy a marriage. I've seen finances destroy a relationship with kids. And it's, it's not fun to be through, right? So when the Bible talks in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, when it talks about store up treasures in heaven, it talks about making sure your focus is in the right area, okay? So when we are becoming focused back on this earth, we miss, miss the main thing completely, right? And what's the main thing? Jesus. Good answer. <laughs> I think that gets you from some fishy crackers, I think. So now the other verse that we talked about that was a little bit um, in Matthew was not serving two masters, okay? D- raise your hand if we have anybody that lifts weights once a year or at least a couple times, okay? I see, I see some weightlifters out there, okay? Um, growing up, when I went to, um, when I was at Hillsborough High School, I'd go to the weight room there, and they had a great saying uh, on the wall, and it took me a while to understand it, and it said, the weaker the body, the more it commands. The stronger the body, the more it obeys, okay? Does that make sense? Now, now how do, what does this mean with money, okay? If we are bad with money, who are we serving? We're serving ourselves. We're serving money, right? Now, the Bible is really clear about not being able to serve two masters, okay? Now, why do you think the Bible says you can't serve, serve these things, right? It's because he knows as humans, we chase every shiny object that comes out, right? We right here and we say, hey, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to lead my family. Oh, there's a dollar, right? And I've seen that on a daily basis in what I do, okay? So we need to teach ourselves to be good with money, not because we want to serve it, because we want it to be used by us to further what God has for us. Does that make, does that make sense? Okay. Now, which, just that whole thought process is completely different than what the world is. You're going to walk out of here, and people are going to say, oh, did you learn about how to invest your money to get a 19.6 return and never have to work again? If you guys came for that, I'm sorry. That's, that's a little out of my ballpark. Okay. So now, now we understand how we're handling it. The next passage we went over was, for the love of money is the root of all evilness. Okay. Has anybody heard that quoted before? Okay. Usually it's money is the root of all evil, right? That's what most people hear. Okay. So we look around and we say, oh, money is evil. So we have people that will completely say, you know, it's evil, I'm not going to think about it, as their families are hurting at home, which ties us right into the next verse. If you don't provide for yourself and those in your house, this is really strong, strong language. You've denied the face, and you're worse than an unbeliever. Isn't that, isn't that a bit scary as husbands here? As we are the providers of our home, and not just on financial levels, we're providing 
the leadership. We're bringing our family back to the Bible, and we are finances, right? For, for a season in the 90s and early 2000s, this verse was quoted all the time. And what people would take is they'd take the position, it really is not talking about finances. So they'd, they'd take that off and put that over here, right? They'd say, it's talking about all these other things. And that's what I love about the Bible is how complete it is. You know, finance is, a, is an interesting topic um, to speak about in the church because there's lots of different views. And we'll see those when we talk about what the Bible doesn't say. Okay. So now let's, let's talk about the dwelling of the wise. Okay. Now we're getting into some, some more positive positions with money and with work. Okay. Um, how many in here, raise your hand if you're under the age of 20. Good. You guys, you guys are lucky. Okay. Now, I want you guys under the age of 20 to look around this room and look for somebody that has this funny shade of color in their hair. They didn't dye it. It came with experience, right? So if you're under the age of 20, I would highly encourage you to find somebody that has that coloring of hair and link up with them because you want to be the young man that is called wise, right? Not because we're trying to get treasures and oil, and those speak of wealth back then, but so you can be in the right place with the Lord, okay? With much counsel, we wage war, right? So find somebody that has gone through it, right? We've all made bumps and bruises. I've probably made more than most of you guys. And those that have a little bit of gray hair realize we're all not very far from one mistake, right? And it's much easier to ask somebody saying, hey, how did you get through this? Okay, than to actually have to learn it on your own. Wouldn't it be much easier to have a manual to say avoid these things, right? Um, raise your hand if you would have ha- taken that manual when you were young, right? E- exactly. Um, I'm probably the poster child for that manual, and they've read all the examples about me. So um, the next we're going to talk about, so we're talking about why money has some concerns. We've talked about some good practicality with, with money, um, but now we get to something that this generation struggles with, okay? Uh, and I'm actually going to read this verse one more time. It's uh, Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Now, I, I'm probably a little biased towards this verse because I grew up on a farm, okay? And this is understandable. I'll, I'll share a quick story. Um, when I was young, I went over and uh, spent the night at my friend's house. Well, I was trying to go see him, right? Um, and I got a phone call. My, gran- my grandpa called um, there and said, hey, I need Jeff to come back. We have harvest, and there's rain coming, and our cherry crop is going to be lost, okay? I was so mad at him, and you know what he wanted me to do? And this was ridiculous. He wanted me to hand him tools. Why would a 65-year-old crawling under equipment want somebody to hand? Can't he just get out from underneath the equipment and get him himself? Well, after I got done being mad at him, we actually worked all through that night. And I'm a 12-year-old. I'm exhausted, right? But we got the equipment fixed and the harvest in. Okay. Now, little did I know that 
fast forward a few years, I would be in that situation, and I took my son up to help me fix equipment, right? And what was an awesome example for me, um, and I see it through my grandfather, I've never met anybody that works harder than him. When it comes to harvest, we go to work, right? My grandfather showed me this verse through his actions and his deed, which also showed me Jesus. And I'm super thankful that I also had a dad. If anybody have met my dad, one thing you guys will know, that guy can work. I have never seen anybody uh, be able to go for days with one or two hours of sleep just to finish a project. And now he's got almost 10 grandkids, and he's showing them how hard is it to work. Would you guys agree that the work ethic may have slipped in our generation a little bit? Maybe just, just, just a little bit. You know, we look for, hey, can I have six hours? And then, you know, t- you know a couple breaks in there, right? We've got to be able to work. And the hand of the diligent makes rich, okay? How many of you guys have had an outside project where it's like, hey, I'm going to dig a ditch, right? How rich is it when you're done? You're probably a little sore. You got a few blisters, but how, how good does it feel to know that you accomplished that project, right? If, if, if it feels sweet. That's richness. We may not have got paid on digging that ditch, but we got richness, and that's where I love the Lord is it's not just about money right now. All right, so the last thing is, and this is for some of you young people that don't have kids, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. This is an insight to, as we build our wealth, we're we're to give it to our kids. Now, not foolishly, and sometimes we don't give money, we give work ethic, a reputation. How about this one? This one is pretty important. A relationship with the Lord, right? Now, how hard is it going to be to teach your kids if, if we're bouncing checks and we, we tell Junior, hey, you need to love Jesus. And they see us, in a sense, misbehaving with, with money. That's a, hard, that's a hard thing to teach, isn't it? When you're saying one thing, but behaving in a different way. Okay? So, does that make sense what the Bible says about money? It's something to be wary of. It's something to be used, and then used well. And it's something to be worked for. Okay? All right, so now we're going to talk about, as you're taking notes, the next category is what the Bible doesn't say about finances. Okay, so I'm going to have you guys look up what, first person that can think of it, what verse says godliness is next to cleanliness? Keep looking. Where is it? Oh, man. Isn't it funny that you hear that, right? That's a saying that has been around for years, and it's in the Bible, but not quite, right? So, there's a few principles that we have out there that as men, we pass around, we tell other people this. If I have money problems or lack of resources, I must be sinning. How many of you have felt that? I have, right? I I must be sinning. Now, the Lord has a spigot of blessing that He wants to pour into your life, and it, sin will keep you from that. But sometimes the Lord is putting you through things to grow you and to show Him to others, 
Okay? So I'd like you guys to turn to John 9, 1 through 5. It's funny how the world instantly thinks if we're Christians, we must be sinning if something happens. And you guys have heard this story before. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, okay, not even outside of Jesus' circle, his own disciples inside his circle said, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I can, I cannot wait to see this in heaven, this series of videos, because I can see Jesus sitting here looking at him and saying, neither. And the, the expression that's on the face of the disciples being like, well, wait a minute, we're Jewish. If there's not a blessing, you are sinning. That is a fact, right? That's what we believe. And he says, I did it to glorify him. Isn't it pretty cool when the Lord will take us through these interesting situations and you can look back and they are tough to go through. They are hard. But in the end, you see, man, the Lord was glorified in this tough situation. Okay? This is another reason to be good at finances so you can point back to Jesus. Okay? So the next one, and this pops up usually in market downturns. If I give enough money to the church, I will be rich. If I give enough money, if I give 11 more cents, I'm going to get that new set of golf flags complete with a good golf game. That doesn't work, right? The question you ask is, does the Lord need our money? No, right? Think of, think of the widow that gave two mites, right? And they say she gave out of the abundance of what she had. Now, is the next story that she has the nicest chariot in town? They moved her up from the basic apartment to the king's palace, but her heart was opened and it was filled, Right? It was ready to see what the Lord is going to have. I would love to see what happens to her in the rest of her life because I know that her heart is willing to accept Jesus' blessing. And that's, that's why we give. It has nothing to do with, I'm going to give to the Lord so he gives back to me. He tells us to give because it changes our hearts towards him. It makes us ready to receive what he has for us. And it's not just finances, right? This is one that... Um, being in the money business like I am, saving money or planning means you are not trusting in God. Has anybody heard that? If you, if you set money aside for your future, you obviously don't trust in God. So I'm going to have a, a share a story that is, is pretty popular here. Um, it's about a flood. Okay? So my buddy Kelly is at his house, and there's a flood coming. I run over, knock on his door. Hey, we got to get out of town. No, no, I got, God's got me covered. Okay, flood happens. Biggest flood ever. Starts getting up, foot in his house. Somebody comes by. It's Portland, so if somebody comes by on a paddleboard, okay, and they're like, hey, 
hop on, we can make it work, we can get out of here. No, 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 I got this, we're good. And as the goes up his house, he gets to the, the second story and climbs up on his roof, and lo and behold, lifeguard shows up, or the Coast Guard. Hey, let's go. No, no, I've got this. We're good, the Lord will save me. Then it goes all the way to the top. He's, sta- he's standing in a foot of water on the top of his roof line. And a good buddy of mine, Scott, who happens to be a helicopter part- pilot, flies over and says, hey, let's go. This is last call. I've, the Lord will save me. The Lord will save me. And then he dies. So he gets to heaven, and he's walking in, and his hands are wide open. Lord, why did you not save me? Now what I see on this side is I see, anybody watch football once in a while here? You know that instant replay where you see it like 500 different directions? I can see him, hey, come here, let's, let's review this, right? Um, by the way, nobody looks good on instant replay, okay? We can feel like we look good, but then once we see the video of what we did, a lot of times we're like, oh, that wasn't so good. So he's sitting there. He says, well, why didn't you leave when Jeff came to get you? Well, why didn't you leave when the paddleboarder came? Why didn't you leave when the Coast Guard showed up? Why didn't you leave when the helicopter? I kept sending you these things, right? So the Lord has given us different things, right? When we read in the Bible, it talks about go plant your fields first and then build your house, right? How many of you guys make a living by plowing a field in here? Got anybody in here? All right, we got a, good, we got a couple of farmers in here, okay? Most of us, it's a little bit of a strange conundrum. So what are our fields today? Our fields are our jobs, how we save, our 401ks, and the planning that we do, okay? So when somebody comes out and says, I'm going to trust in the Lord, I'm not going to plan, okay? What happens to their family? What if, the, what if that individual, that husband, knows the Lord and believes the Bible that way, but his family doesn't? What's the cost to that? When that husband is killed in a freak accident and the kids finally step in and they're going to help mom with the finances. And they come to find that there is no money there. The first question they say is, Mom, I thought you and Dad were saving. Well, we didn't believe in saving. So now the first response they're going to have is, so you're saying Dad didn't take care of you? That's why it's important that we're good at finances, okay? There's lots of other things that, um, what the Bible doesn't say about it, okay? You've probably seen some TV evangelists say, send me a donation, I'll pray for you, you'll become rich. Um, and what is that called, the, the prosperity gospel, right? It's funny how the Bible talks a lot about money, but it never talks about it in the terms that are presented really frequently, right? So, why, the, why in the world should we even care about this, right? 
Why, why is it something we should try to be good at? Why should we practice? Why should we put the effort into learning? Why are you guys here on a Saturday morning? I know the coffee's pretty good. I'm pretty boring. But you guys are here to learn and get better at this. So why? I have a few reasons that I'm, I can think of. It keeps our focus on the main thing. Okay. Does anybody feel distracted in this generation with things going on? Isn't, isn't life busy these days? How many of you guys work really hard during harvest season then have four or five months to work on your equipment and to slow down? Any of you guys have that out here now? We got, we got one or two, right? That life is not normal anymore. Our harvest season starts January 1st and ends December 31st. We have jobs where it's not that we ramp up. The business cycle these days is vertical, right? It is never slowing down, okay? That adds a lot of noise. How about having a spouse? Doesn't that add a lot of stuff too, right? We've got two people living lives. It adds a lot of extra stuff. Now, I'm, I take it some of you guys have kids out there. Now, do we play sports in the season now, or do we play year-round? And do we go, to, is there some times where it feels like you are a glorified Uber, but you don't get paid for it? Right? We're going to this gym, to this event. Then we, oh, by the way, we have church. We're here on a Saturday, maybe a Saturday night, Sunday, a Wednesday night. Next thing you know, we're distracted, right? So I want to have you guys turn to Isaiah 30, 21. Your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Do you know how hard it is to hear a still small voice behind you if we have the noise of life happening? We have to make a conscious effort to be good with finance and good with money so we can quiet the noise. Okay? If, if we don't quiet the noise out there, you'll live for 20, 30 years wondering why you haven't heard from God. Okay? This is so important, is we make sure we keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus, right? Money can distract. That's what those verses up there that said about it. Don't put your treasure in money. Right? As somebody in the financial profession, it it probably sounds a little weird coming from me. I deal with money all day long. But what's interesting is, back to that front row seat to a, to a train wreck, do you know one of the most heartbreaking things I've done is when I sit down with a couple and they absolutely hate each other, right? Or they're living two completely separate lives. And then it gets even worse when I find out they know the Lord. Because that's even, I, can, I know their hearts is in a lot of turmoil, right? So we need to quiet our lives, and we do that by being good with finances, okay? And we'll get to how that works in a, in a few moments. Um, 
and I've touched on this a couple times, is in, in the Bible it talks about how a neighbor shows up and says, I'm cold, I'm hungry. And what do we say to him? Hey, the Lord loves you. Be on your way. What does that neighbor feel like as they know that we go to church, right? Hey, I'm going to church, but they don't feel that love of, love of the Lord. So a lot of the practical things are, if, as we're good with our money, not bouncing checks, we're planning, we show Jesus to other people, okay? Now, this is a hard thing. Sometimes you, get, you guys are going to go through some tough things. I'm going to go through some tough things. But just like the example of the flood, if the Lord gives you an opportunity to prepare, maybe he's preparing you for seven bad years. Does anybody know where that reference is from? Joseph, Joseph right? So Joseph interpreted a dream, and they had what in front of those seven bad years? Okay, what, is, what do most people do when times are good? Right? If you guys are in the construction profession, when times are good, how high is the truck jacked up? <laughs> what? What are you guys laughing for? <laughs> now, when, when the construction industry tra- changes, how many of those trucks do you see for for sale? When times are good, we live as if times will be good forever. Right? And when times are bad, we behave in the same way, right? So imagine this situation. I'm going to use construction, okay, and I'm going to use farming in this example. So times are good, so we save, right? And times shift, and we get the notice saying, hey, I got to lay you off. It's a normal thing in construction, it's a cycle. So you happen to be at a coffee shop reading your Bible, and your other coworker shows up. And man, he is livid. You can just see it on his face. And you're sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, reading, reading in the Word, and you happen to be on a verse that says, a wise man sees trouble and avoids it, but a foolish man keeps going. And so he sits down, and he looks at you and says, Jeff, why are you not mad at God? This is horrible. This is the worst thing I've ever gone through. Why are you so calm? You say, well, the Lord did take care of us for those seven years, and I spent some time reading Joseph, and I thought, you know, I better prepare for those tough moments, right? Because in those tough moments, people's hearts are softened, people's hearts are broken, and they're looking for you to say, hey, this is why I trust in the Lord, and this is, if you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk with you on it, right? Because when times are good, haven't you seen people say, hey, I'm a self-made man? We all know what that means, right? I got this lucky, <laughs> right? We're all one second from just a, a tough place. So that's one of the things I want to encourage you guys in is prepare so you can so, show Jesus, okay? Now, this one uh, will take a little bit to unpack is it keeps us from sinning by preparing, Okay? So these are the things we want to do as men, why we care about it, okay? What, what happens when men are stressed out? What do we do? What's up? Take it out on others? Good. What else? What was that? 
Yep, internalize. Worry. Uh, what was that? Try to escape. Now, let's unpack that one for a second. What do we escape to? Sin. How about we go drink, right? The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to drink, but we get drunk, right? Somebody slips into an affair, right? And somebody slips into some drugs. I don't know of anybody that starts out saying, you know what? I'm here to be an alcoholic today. I made that purposeful statement today. Or I'm going to be a drug addict for the rest of my life because of today, right? Now, when you start unwinding things, right, take it out on others. I have to say I've snapped at my kids. That's my confession today is I have snapped at my kids, right? And I know that when funds are tighter, right, it doesn't excuse me from sinning, but it does lead into that. So if, if we can put a wall of protection around us, why not? Now, would you rather have a brick wall or a picket fence? Right? We want a picket fence that can get blown over. I want a good mason. I want somebody that takes their time and lays a strong foundation of that wall. Because who thinks there's a storm that's going to come into your family's life? Anybody? When is it not a storm, right? So I've got a, a little example of that that happened to me a few weeks ago uh, when we were at the men's retreat um, and just a little before. So uh, my wife, we went up to Ocean Parks with my in-laws and we went, she went for a run. Uh, and this is my uh, reason we should never do any stretching, okay? So she comes back um, and she starts to stretch, and her back goes out, right? So that's why you never stretch. You only get hurt when you stretch. Um, trust me. Um, so we end up leaving a day early, and we come back to our water heater greeting us, leaking out our garage. Okay, so I run over to Home Depot, I get one before it closes, miss a part, so then I have to run to Lowe's, get another part. I get it in, and as I'm up there, I look at my garage door. Well, the installation person, me, may have not really set it right. So my garage door looks like this. Okay, so I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you showing me? Okay, that'll be it. I'll get a new garage door. Well, perfect. It's done. So I go to the men's retreat, which was a blast, by the way, besides losing the championship in basketball. So I'm training for Jonah right now. Um, So I get a text from my wife. Jeff, our dishwasher went out. Hmm. By the way, my wife is pregnant with our seventh, and she has six kids that have all of my stubbornness. Okay? And I'm like, hmm, just put them, do, they can just do dishes all day. That'll be perfect punishment. Okay, and I'm like, well, we, can, we can make it. And Oh, by the way, I'm leaving from the men's retreat to Redmond, Oregon to work for a week. So I'm not even coming home. Okay, so I get on the phone Monday morning um, and we get a dishwasher lined up. But let's rewind to Sunday. So I'm rolling into Redmond after the retreat, you know, refreshed. I get another text from my wife. Why is happening? The washing machine went out. Hmm. 
So, in those situations, that can create a lot of anger, right? Why do I have to deal with it right now? I'm busy at work. I've got life. I've got kids. Lord, why are you doing this? And a lot of times, we need a detox, right? I just need a beer. To three. To five. I'm on the road trip, right? My wife's not with me. Am I going to get in trouble? Right? So when you plan, it helps build that solid wall, a solid foundation to keep us from those storms. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? Why we, why we plan? Okay? So we've talked about a lot of these things kind of on a higher, higher level. Okay? And we want to look at some just practical applications of how we do this. Okay? So to start with, let's go, to, let's go to tithing. So this is a list of things you guys can take home, okay? Is tithing something that is talked about in the Bible? It's pretty clear, right? We've, we know that God doesn't need our money, but he asks to do it because our heart's there, okay? Has anybody in here ever gone wanting when they tithe? Even when it doesn't work out mathematically, right? We have $3,000 coming in, we do our tithe, and you know you're going to run out of money at the end of the month, but for some odd reason, you have more. And then the month you forget to tithe, I've never seen money disappear so fast. And it's not because God's a genie that we're just trying to get money from, but it opens our heart to what he has for us, and we can hear that still small voice. So, that's the first thing on the tithing. The second thing is, what do you tithe on? This is a very hotly debated topic. Okay? So let's look back at that, how many plates do I bench example. Okay? When we're men, right, we puff our chests up a little bit, and when the conversation comes out, it's a little taboo to ask somebody what they make, right? But when it comes out, I make $100,000 but then you look at what they tithe. Is it off $100,000? No. So I encourage you, if you talk about your income and you give the higher number, use that number as your calculation. Now, God is not going to strike you with lightning if you tithe off a lower amount, but I would encourage you to look at that and, and pray through it. Okay? So that's the first thing. Before we get, go anywhere else, look at the tithe. Study the Bible on it. See what it says about it. Okay? How about this one? This, is, this, this one will blow your guys' minds. Live below your means. I don't know about you, and I was homeschooled, so bear with me, but one minus one is zero, right? Ten minus eight is two. So no matter what happens, right? We have, everybody has a certain set income. Choose to live below it, okay? Now, I'm going to tie in the next point, which might be the hardest thing to do in here with this one. Be on the same page financially with your wife. Is that hard to do some days? Okay? Now, it's because of, we have different measurements, Right? If you go to England, do they use the same system we use for measurement? No? They have that metric side, right? Now, they're confused when we use pounds, right? Because we put LBS. 
They're like, how did you get this here, right? If I buy a boat for 100,000, I bought one unit, right? But if my wife buys 19 different shirts for $50, that bothers me. I only bought one unit. She bought 19, and she's probably not going to wear four of them. <laughs> but in actuality, I probably spent a little bit more money on my boat, right? That I probably won't use, that will be in the shop most of the time. Not that I'm putting a plug against not buying boats, but I'm saying. Um, we're from Portland, right? What's, what's a big push that can hit our budgets in Portland? Golf? Coffee. Yes. Coffee, coffee capital of the world. What else? Microbrews, yes. How about organic groceries? First I've ever heard of them was last week when I did research for this study. Are organic groceries the same cost as regular groceries? Okay. But as a wife, you want to do what's absolutely best for your kids. Now, do you guys have any wives that if they're going to research organic milk, they're going to spend like days researching which one to buy? Or am I the only? Okay, I'm not the only one out here. Okay. Um, because they want to do what's absolutely best for their job, which is, could be the home, could be outside of it, but especially when it comes to their family, they're going to do all that research. So when they, we come to talk about the budget, right? So we pull up our budget. All right, for food, we're going to do $12. Man, you guys are, you think I'm funny today. Um, we're going to do free fuel, 700 tools, 3000 Golf. No, I shall scratch that off. Never mind. Well, now we give it to our wife, and she's like, food, 4,000. <laughs> Tools, don't need. <laughs> Coffee, made at home. Because that's where she's going to invest, right? So we have this, a little bit of consternation with our family, okay? Now, how many of you guys want to spend 45, 55, 65 years married? And I hope you guys get to that point butting heads every single month on finances. Does that sound appealing? Okay. This is where I say be on the same page as your wife. Now, this takes work, and I hate to say it, it's mostly our fault on this, right? Because in our minds, we think provide, protect, prepare. That's what we do as men. How do I provide my, for my family? Hey, they got a roof over their head. They've got semi-matching clothes. They ate within the last week. We're good. And we got a lock on the front door. Okay? Wives think differently. So when you sit down and talk about the budget, now is that, for anybody, is that a hostile conversation sometimes? Okay, that's, that's hard. Go in gently. Don't, don't come in saying, we will do this. Now you are to lead your home, but you need to work with your wife on it. Be open to organic food. I've, I pick on that one because I've heard that one a lot, right? Okay, so budgets. Is that a fun word to talk about too? Does it make you, make you feel excited today? Or are you guys racing out to get a cup of coffee because you're, it's going to put you to sleep, right? 
So I don't use the word budget a lot in my practice. I use the, something that's called cash flow management, okay? It's completely different than a budget, okay? And I set processes in place. So if you're taking notes, I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna unpack this one just a little bit, just for an idea is for you to take back to your wife today, okay? And to simplify your and quiet your life. So draw a box in the middle of a blank page. Attached to the right of the box, I want you to draw a lot of little lines going out. Those are expenses that are going out, okay? And then on the left side, I want you to draw one line coming into the box, okay? This can be whatever budget line item you have, okay? And I'm going to pick on utilities, right? Do you know the average utilities that we pay, including everything that can be considered, is around $900 in this area, including cell phones, car insurance. Isn't it amazing? If we talk to our grandparents, when they hear, you're spending how much on utilities? Do not tell them what you spend on your phone bill, your cell phone bill, okay? It's, it's amazing, right? They didn't even have to think about these things, okay? So on the right side, I want you guys to put not 800 going out. Okay, we'll say we're a little bit better. We, we manage our utilities a little more. We keep it at 12 degrees in our house. Okay. And we put $1,000 in. Okay. Let's do some quick math. We put $1,000 in and 800 goes out. How much is left over? Eight, $200? 200 goes out. So 1,000 in, 800 out. Right? Two, 200. <laughs> yes, we haven't paid taxes yet, right? So for this example, we've already paid our taxes. Tithe's not in this account. So this is just for utilities. Okay, in that account, we now have a $200 reserve. Now, if we do that every month, what do we end up with? Good, right? So, so what we did is we put a process in place where we have to look at this on a quarterly basis, okay? We've just quieted our budget. We've taken a line item that's 9 or 12 items, and dropped it to one. So as you guys are working through your budget or your cash flow with your spouses, put things in place, separate your daily spending from automatic spending, okay? This will allow you guys to see what you actually spend and where you overspend, okay? Has anybody overspent on coffee in this area? I have. Now, if you, so I live in Hillsboro. I know it's close to the coast, um, but if you drive from here, I don't even know. I, I mean, the number is staggering how many coffee shops I will pass from here to Hillsboro, right? I mean, 35 years ago, the average cup of coffee was like $1.60, or sorry, 65 cents. And now we spend 3 to $4, right? But we need to know what we spend on so we can make our adjustments, okay? So as we're working through this, this is not going to be easy. A lot of you are going to come back and you're going to say, hey, we got to get on a budget. I've already increased the in, my inbox size for all the wives that are going to be mad at me. Um, but they will appreciate being on a budget. They will appreciate working together with you. A lot of times I see finances that are separated. Don't ever, ever separate your finances if you're married. Okay? I see a lot of people's financial lives running parallel like this. 
Do you know how easy it is to get divorced if you're completely separated or divorced on your finances already? There's only a few cases that I've seen that it makes sense to keep them separated, but those are so rare and one-offs. I encourage you to blend them together, okay? Um, this is a brand new one that I just learned too, is have an emergency fund, okay? Life happens, like that story I shared with me, right? And I've got hundreds of stories, and if you are young, raise your hand again if you're 20 or under, okay? Go visit some of these older folks and ask them what life has popped up for them, okay? It'll always pop up, okay? Um, pay off your debts faster than the schedule, okay? We all have debts that we wish we didn't have, right? We have student loans, we have credit cards, we have mortgages. Set a payoff schedule, and it doesn't have to be drastic. You don't have to live on a rice and beans diet. I love Dave Ramsey, by the way. But once you set the schedule, the rest of it you can plan and prepare with, okay? And this last one we touched on a little bit more was just go to work. Do you know how to solve a lot of your problems on finances? work. I love that Jesus said, don't we have 12 hours a day to work? And I know some of you in here that work 12 hours. They work long jobs. But if we only worked four or five hours and we could have worked more, are we allowed to complain about our money problems? Right. So guys, thanks for letting me share today. Uh, I'm going to open it up for questions. If you guys have any questions out there, uh, if you think of a question, ask it because somebody else is probably thinking about it. Um, finance is something the Bible is clear about. And he, God asks us to be good stewards, right? For many reasons. But the most important is that we can show Jesus to others, right? It's not as complicated as the world wishes it would be. And as Christians, we're going to go out from here. Let's be good with, good with finances. So, any questions? Yes? Okay. I, th I think you're spot on with that one because you know construction is going to slow down, right? So if you can't make your payment, what happens? You're in trouble, right? So you're, you're setting money. Now, I would set a limit, right? Because we could just continue to build saying we're going to slow down, but say, hey, if I have 5,000 saved, 10,000, whatever the number is, um, that's back to that verse, a wise man sees trouble and prepares for it. So that's a, a great question. Yeah, you're spot on. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I would look at uh, a year's worth of mortgage payments. Um, I would look at a year's worth of utility payments. I'd, I'd add those two together um, and start progressing that direction. You know, a lot of us in here, you're going to say, man, you want me to have $25,000 saved up? Not today, but start that process with money going into that, that ability right there. So 
I saw a question back there. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good question. So um, we do a earned allowance. Okay. I guess it's not an allowance then. Um, so our kids have jobs they can do because they need to participate in the family household, right? Now, so let's say I, I give them a dollar. Tithing comes off the top, right? Now, they don't fully understand the tithe. It's you pass the bucket and you put it in, and then you look and see how much is in it. We sit over here, so if you want to see that happen tonight, just look that way, okay? Um, and then we have them set, set a savings amount, right? Because there's 90% left. And uh, we say, hey, some has to be saved. So sometimes with kids, you show them what they should do. They may not fully understand it. And then all of a sudden, how cool is it that when life happens, we can share with our kids, Right? We can say, hey, do you remember back when you were three or four and I was home a lot? Well, I work in the electrician field and we went through a slowdown and the Lord totally provided for us by doing the same thing that you do in your account, by saving that 10 or 15% for an emergency. We did that so I was to be able to be home and we were able to keep our home. So good question, Paul. So show them and then teach them as they grow. Okay. What else? Yeah. I have, yes. Yep, yeah. Dave Ramsey is a phenomenal, um, uh, phenomenal speaker. His books are great. Um, now, what is Dave Ramsey, what is he, he personally built his own personal wealth on? Sort of. Yes. Now, what, books, on, books on what? On common sense, right? live on less than you make. But we're a, we're a society that, I mean, I am so guilty of it. Hey, I want to do this. December, January 1st, I'm going to get in shape for about two minutes, and then I see Krispy Kreme, and then I'm completely changed. So Dave Ramsey knows, and I agree with almost all of his principles, but knows we've got to have people laser-focused to stay out of debt, because debt is something that is rampant in our society, isn't it? Okay, what else? Good question. Yes. I think to your point is um, if, if you don't touch it. That's, that's the secret, right? Because when I, and I agree with you that if you don't have it, get that thing in place. But a lot of times when you're touching it, it's because I lost my job, right? So it's, it's making, so um, what I've seen is we set it up, people do a good job, they're paying off debt. And, um, you know, I've worked on a lot of cases where we're, we're paying off a lot of debt. And the minute we get all the debt paid down, 
they show up at my office, they want to show me their new truck they got with the $800 car payment, right? So when debt's open at times, uh, and this is where Dave Ramsey says cut up the credit cards, is it takes access away. Um, but I think if, if you have no emergency fund, I think that's a short-term place for it as you build against it, right? Because um, with, with kids, money goes out quick. But there's always money to be found. And even if you have to get a second job just to build the emergency fund, the peace in your home will be so much greater if, if you do it, right? You say short-term, say, hey, we've got access to it if we need it, but then take the access away, right? So good, good question. It's, it's interesting being in that 50 range where you're, you know, you have 25-year-olds that are just starting out. Now, would any of you say that if you know a 25-year-old or under, start today? Would anybody agree with them? Put a little bit of money away, right? Um, and that's what's, what's great about finances and being in a church is the world doesn't have a lot of places where a young person can go ask an older person in a, in a place that's going to give you good advice, right? So what else? Good question. Yeah. Very familiar with it. Okay. All right. So now you're putting me on the spot. Okay. So when I look at um, books that have influenced my life, um, Bible, that's where I get all of my financial wisdom. What's interesting, the second book is The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. Uh, growing up in the Christian church, um, when I would color the pages on Jonah and they would have Nineveh, I would color it black. It's evil. Well, so I read this book, The Richest Man in Babylon, and they talk about the flourishing city of Nineveh, okay? This is the hardest thing to get past on the book if you know the Bible, right? But the principles are great. So the story starts out, and I would encourage you to get this book, and actually another one that's kind of a more Christian-based as The Monk and the Merchant. Um, I would read both of them. Um, so imagine we're in Babylon, and I am the best chariot maker in Babylon, and I'm sitting on the fence, kind of pondering life. And then my buddy shows up. Actually, we're going to use Kyle, okay? So Kyle Peak, because he can play every instrument under the sun, and he says, hey, can, you, can I borrow a couple bucks so I can get into the show and play music and make some money? And I say, I don't have any. What? You're just sitting here. You got all the time in the world. And his wife looks out and says, hey, you need to finish the chariot. You're the best. So we can get paid because our food's going down, right? So they're sitting there pondering, as men do. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, they actually were pretty smart. They said, let's go talk to the richest man in Babylon. Okay, from there, they flow into, the whole story is about the principles of managing money. And what's funny is, you probably picked up on this, a lot of these principles came straight from that book, which came straight from the Bible. It's not a book that's written on Christian principles, but it's pretty cool to see when the Bible influences books that aren't written by it, okay? I would highly encourage you to read that book. That's a great, thank you for bringing that up. Um, it'll talk about some other principles, and it's a great story. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful story to read um, and shape your principles. So, good. What other questions? Yes? 
Oh, what was that? Ah, wow, you guys, are, you guys are doing good on the questions, okay? So, um, the question is, is what is my thoughts on wives working, okay? Wow, this is good, this is good. <laughs> so, um, my, wife's, my wife stays home. Now, um, we've, we've chosen to do that. Now, there's some situation where, where wives enjoy work, so they like to work. Um, you will have people that will fall on the sword that will tell you you are a heathen and don't believe the Bible if your wife goes to work. I still haven't seen that in there. And by the way, the Proverbs 31 woman, she worked. Now, it was in her home. She also ran a business of selling stuff. So um, it's one that, that's one you have to pray through in each, um, each situation. Now, I know a lot of people that as they prayed through it, they said, hey, we're going to commit to staying home. I have a lot of friends that did that. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch. You know what's funny, though? What has the Lord done on the husband's job, right? It wasn't quite enough to cover it. And then out of nowhere, the Lord says, oh, by the way, this promotion that you had no idea about just shows up, right? So good, very good question. That's a, and that's, that's something that is so hotly debated in churches. Churches are divided over it. It's, it, it's amazing what we divide over. So, yes? Uh, I will never say my, <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble. So, um, my wife has the hardest job. So, when I'm home with the kids, they're lucky if they get toast. And they, you know, four out of six will get dressed. Um, so, yeah, so I, uh, good, good question. Yes, my, my wife works full-time. Yes. So there's um, um, YNAP was, you need a budget is a good app. Mint is a good app. But the danger with these apps um, is they look backwards, right? So they look backwards, and to quote a good friend of mine, they say, congratulations, you overspent. So it has to be something they... <laughs> so... Um, so they need to see that so they can track, but they also need the budget aspect of it saying, um, and sometimes a pen and paper is the best to say, I'm, I'm going to spend on coffee $12. Okay, that's four days or one day. Um, so for young girls, I, I personally like Mint quite a bit. Um, uh, depending on who they bank with, actually banks now have a, a good spending category where they'll tell you what you spend on. The downfall is it may not be accurate because it depends on the, the processor if it, if it registers as a, as a bookstore, it'll say you spend it on books. If it's a coffee shop, it'll say, so that's, that's the only issue. But um, do check out YNAP, um, Mint. Um, if you get Google financial apps, there's hundreds of them out there. So, yes. Quick question, is there good debt? Ah, man. Um, yes. Okay, so now the Bible talks a lot about debt. Now, it talks about it frequently in the Jewish relationship, okay? Now, what were the Jews known for with debt? Yeah, and charging a lot, right? So, they'd come to you and be like, hey, you're in, you're in a bind? Oh, I'll loan you a dollar. You got it, right? And so, there's also why a lot of Jews are financiers on, in, on the East Coast. So, um, but yes, now, buying a home, I would say, is, is good debt. Now, it depends on if you're overbuying, 
on your situation. An RV is not a good debt if you can't afford it. A credit card is not a good debt if you can't afford it. And this one is going to get me in a lot of troubles. A student loan is not a good debt if you can't afford it. Um, we have a lot of small colleges in Theria that, you know, if, if anybody's heard of George Fox, Corbin, Warner Pacific, that's where I finished my career. The amount of debt that young people come out with is as much as your mortgage payment. I know a lot of people that pay $1,100, 1400 1900 and these are 30-year loans at 6.8%, okay? So how cool it would be if you teach your kids about finance, coming back to what you said, Paul? Hey, I want to show you how to work through college. You're going to get up early and take classes. You're going to work here. You're going to do work study here. You're going to work a late job. Because do you know how cool the story is when you get to tell your kids, hey, let me tell you about my college experience. Well, I worked here. I worked here. I worked here. That was my wife. She worked three jobs in college. She ran collegiately. She did an amazing job of getting through, through her undergrad with no debt. Okay. What else? What other question? Yes. So the question is, is we could all afford something a little bit more, but why don't we just go move into the cheapest house or trailer that we could to save money, okay? So um, it depends on what you guys want to accomplish, right? So um, if your wife's big on hosting, moving into a trailer may not be the best thing, right? If your wife is big on hosting, moving into the $4,000 a month mortgage may not be good because what are you going to present to your guests, right? So it, it covers both sides, right? So, so pray through it. What I can tell you is being a dad that lives in 1,400 square feet with six kids, okay, it can be done. And one of the most amazing things is how close your family can become, okay? And I have no idea where we're going to put our seventh. You know, we're hoping to build a house, down the road, but as of right now, we are in 1,400 square feet. I think I might have to have my kids move into the garage, maybe, or build a bunk bed that's up, so. All right, what's back there? Yeah, so, so the question is, how does retirement relate to the Bible, uh, and how do, you, how do you balance that in life? Is that right? Okay, perfect. So, um, one of the cultural things that were different is when you built your house back in the Bible days, your retirement was to have sons, which I did pretty well. I had six, or five, um, six kids. So, um, and then you would build another house on, and what would happen is the son would provide the retirement. Now, those times have changed a little bit, right? Um, when you go to retire, I think the important part is, is you want to plan for it, but you want to plan for what you're going to do in retirement, Okay. So we could go, and we could work really, 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 really hard, work 12 hours a day, and then we can get to retirement, and we can sit in front of our TV. Does that sound appealing? Okay. Now, how important is, is the guy with the gray hair to speak back into his kids' lives and his grandkids' lives? Retirement today is retiring to something different, right? And we all have unique opportunities to pour into people, right? So I would encourage you as... I say, yes, the Bible shows planning, right? We're going to leave an inheritance to our kids. But make sure when we're going to retire, 
we're retiring to something. Because that's something they also didn't tell me in my, you know, job interview. You get to watch people waste away in retirement. It is, it is, it is hard to meet with somebody that I ask them, what did you do today? Well, I didn't leave the house. I, I didn't want to spend any money. By the way, one of the best parts about all the clouds we're having these days, besides the rain, okay, for all of us farmers out there, we love this. This is good for us. Is we have the most amazing sunsets and sunrises. But I have people that retire and they never see them, right? So there's a lot you can do in retirement. Um, biblically, that's one that gets argued often. Um, but I think it, it's more of, when I hear the argument um, against not planning, it's usually not the person that works really hard that does that. It's usually like, well, how little can I actually plan and still be good? Does that, does that make sense? Okay. What else? Over here. Yeah, Jonah. Very good. Very good. So I'm going to touch on the richest man in Babylon about that question, okay? And I'm going to have you guys repeat after me. After I say a statement, I want you to say what comes to your mind. With great risk, there's great great potential for loss. You guys said reward. <laughs> huh. All right, now I got to start over. Okay, so back to your question, okay? So the, the question is, is with, for young people, we should be aggressive with our investments in our lifestyle, right? Now, there's some, there is some truth to that, right? We have a long time to recover, okay? So how many of you guys know what it takes to be a Hall of Fame baseball hitter? What's your average? What do you need it to be? At least 300, right? So that means you struck out seven out of 10 times? What? I failed seven out of 10. Investing is the same way, right? So I would encourage you, risk what you can risk, but not what you can't afford to lose, okay? Because the money, if you're in your 20s and we put $10,000 into an investment, and it falls to 5,000, that's your starting point for the next 30 years. I would rather you be conservative to start with and get your debts paid down and then risk what you can risk. Does that, does that make sense? It's backwards to what most financial professionals will say, but one thing I've noticed is, I mean, if you have never lost money on an investment, raise your hand. I think my second career is gonna be comedian because I'm getting some good laughs. So here's, here's the deal, is we all have a potential for loss. I know people that are 60, that their story was, Jeff, I bought an investment for $2,000 and it went to 1,500, and I said, I'm done investing. This was when they were 20. Do you, do you know how much they have now? 1,500, because they put it in cash. So their behavior and their experience cost them a lot of money. So very, very good question. What else? Yes, pick rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. So there's, there's a kind of you have to weigh both times, right? So, so let's say you were going to buy. So the cost is if we have, if we have uh, the ability to work overtime, do, but we don't need to, but we have the opportunity. Do we do it or do we spend time with our family? So this is a tough one, right? So, so let's say you were going to buy a home and you needed a down payment for a house. I would say work, worked overtime. Now, what if you had debts you needed to get out of? work the overtime. Now, if you are progressing on your plan the way you want, enjoy life. 
right? So um, you will have people that will say, take every hour, and their marriages go down. Some of you guys have, have been young and been in those situations, um, but adjusted. All right, what else? Oh, one here and then next year. Question is, do you make as much as you can, or do you make as much as you can and enjoy your work? You're a tough crowd today. Um, I would say both. Because work in its own right is enjoyable. Work is a good friend of mine. It doesn't mean it's easy. Now, I enjoy the work that I do immensely. Um, So I would say, ideally, do what you love. But if what you love doesn't bring you money, do something that does. But don't let money be your only treasure that will, you will burn out on that. Does that answer it a little bit? It's, it's a very tough one, right? Um, all right. Good, good. I like that. So the question is, is in our work, how do we give God our first fruits, okay? This kind of starts to how you lay out your budget, okay? So in your job, your commission comes from your event, right, that you, you go into, and then you get paid on that, okay? So You've got business expenses that probably come from that, but when it comes to you is the first number, the income. And on our budgets, a lot of times when I work with people, especially in the church, guess, guess where the tithe line item is? It's usually me writing it on the bottom, right? I'm like, hey, is this something that we need to talk about? In, in fact, it's, it's sometimes awkward to talk about. So put the tithe there and say, okay, I brought in X, Take 10% of that and put it right there. That's where you start with. No matter if you make 500000 $50. That's where you start. Ten, start with 10%. Now, if the Lord continues to bless you and says, hey, I want to give more, that's an offering. That's saying, hey, Lord, thank you for blessing me. I want to give more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing I, I do love about atheists. We're, we're part of the body of Christ. So you're a member of that if you know the Lord. And that's really cool. What's, what's nice is anybody from the body of Christ can show up and they're part of our church. Isn't that pretty cool that it doesn't, you don't have to come and do a membership. What's, I can understand some basis for memberships, but if you know the Lord, you're part of our body. So, all right, any other questions? Over here. Yes. Uh, I love MediShare. Um, it's, it's a good company. Uh, what's funny is there really is, from an operational standpoint, you, there is no difference between insurance. But what I like is it's other individuals supporting other individuals on a clear basis, right? It doesn't, I mean, it does funnel through a company, but it is um, more specific. I like some of the operating processes. Um, they are, they have been cheaper in some cases. So I think it's, I think it's a great program. Good question. Uh, question was, what do I think of uh, healthcare or MediShare? That's ne- you know, healthcare is never something we talk about, right? So, yes. That guy's there is incredible. You write that down, okay? So if you're not prepared mentally, it's going to make it really, really hard. And I've seen, this is a horrible statistic, I've seen people go get so far depressed when they get retired, they commit suicide. Yep. Their identity is tied to their work, right? So where does our identity need to be tied? Christ, right? 
so we can have a full retirement. So good, good point. So young guys, find him. Talk to him. Okay? <laughs> All right. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. All right, we have time for two more questions. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the question is, is what's the difference between treasures and riches, and, and how does that apply? Is riches, those are a savings account, a truck. A treasure is what you're looking for. Now, to know the test, right, and I don't recommend that you go do this, and don't do it to your friend, but it's what do you respond is when your truck gets scratched. <laughs> or how about, your, how about your, your son rides his bike between two of your vehicles and goes zip and zip and zip, and then you say, just walk it up there. 35 seconds later, goosh, 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 right? So it, it's, it's where your focus is, right? So if your focus is on, and this is your test, and, you, and this is a test that you don't just do once, but you do continually, right? Because we can drift off target, right? Easily, how easy is it? We get working, we're working tons of hours, we're not thinking, and next thing you know, our truck gets smashed, and we just swear, we cuss, and the person that we saw feels horrible, and by the way, doesn't know the Lord, and just saw your fish on the back of your vehicle, right? All right, we have time for one more question. Exactly. Life, life comes quickly, right? I don't think he, he planned to pass away. And I think about that often because I'm 34 years old. I have seven kids, and you have to plan for your spouse. Sometimes it keeps me up at night, right, because I want my family taken care of. And I know that the Lord is so good that he will cover him, but that's why he's given me the tools to do it. And you're right. Social Security is a very hotly debated stuff, especially in the church, right? Because people think that's relying on the government, I don't want to do that. There's an opportunity there, right? So it will be continually talked about and debated, very much like Oregon PERS. It's always going to be changed if any of you are in the system. So, guys, thank you for the questions. Um, to be honest, I was, I'm, I'm very impressed with your guys' ability to open up and ask questions. This is something we have a hard time talking about because we all feel like we should have done better, don't we? And we always feel like the guy next to us did way better than us, right? But you know what's funny is this room is full of believers that know the Lord, and that's the main thing. And let's encourage, as iron works, iron sharpening iron, um, you know, spend some time this winter getting to know each other, but also just encouraging each other. So hopefully this was helpful. I'll be up here if anybody else has any other questions. And um, guys, enjoy your Saturday. Go home and enjoy your family and, and work together as your family to in your finances so that you can show. Oh, by the way, holidays are coming up. What are some topics you don't talk about at holidays? Politics, finance, right? Money. So when we look at this, this is an opportunity to share with family members that aren't on the same page. We all have those, those relatives that are just a financial wreck and they bring it to Thanksgiving. And when they pull you aside and they say, why are you calm? You've got kids, you've got this happening, this happening. You should be stressed out and say, hey, me and my wife, we meet with the Lord and we work on our finances. So thank you guys for coming. I'm going to close in prayer and then uh, we can hang out for a little bit. So dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for a chance to uh, talk on a to topic that um, sometimes is misguided and, and misused, Lord. But I pray that the men here go like the Bereans and they read the scripture and they get close to you so they can know what you would have for their family and finances. 
Uh, thanks for my brothers meeting here on a Saturday, giving up time, putting the work in. Um, and I pray that they go forward and uh, they just enjoy their family today. In your name, amen.